does it mean to be UMC? Each episode of this podcast series explores that question with clergy and laity at the East Ohio Conference sharing stories of how lives are being transformed through the ministries of the United Methodist Church. This is Storyboard, Faith, Witness, Transformation. Welcome to Storyboard, Faith, Witness, Transformation. And today we have a special episode for you. We have a panel of guests who are going to take us deep into the topic of clergy wholeness. And I am actually going to be turning the microphone over to a pair of our directors from the Connectional Ministries Department, Reverends Gary Jones and Beth Ortiz, who are going to handle our duties today as host and take this topic for us and share with our panel what clergy wholeness is and why it is important here in the East Ohio Conference. So good morning, Gary and Good morning. Good morning. Why don't you guys go ahead and take this away for us and share what this topic is all about and uh, introduce our panel. Okay. We are going to really start talking about kind of how this all came to the forefront. And so with us today are all folks who are part of the Clergy Wholeness Task Group that was formed. We have Charlene Thomas with us. You can say hello. Hello. We have Beth Ortiz. We have David Witt. Good morning. And Kara Stoltz-Costello. Hi there. And we're we're a small sample of a, a team that was put together, a task group that was put together by the bishop. So we're going to start talking about kind of how that came to be. And I'll let Beth jump in there. So the way this started was actually a lesson for me in Connectional Ministries. I'm a little newer at our office level. And one day, uh, Gary and I and Reverend Ed Fashbaugh, our uh, Connectional Ministries office team lead, were having a conversation and really got talking deeply about, you know, there isn't a program that's just going to come in and and change our, our culture. There's not a silver bullet that we're looking for. But beneath anything that we're trying to do in Connectional Ministries, uh, we realized that that we really had deep concern and a deep heart for clergy and where they were going and what they were going through. You know, it's COVID. Uh, you know, we say we're through COVID, but <laughs> we're not through COVID. But there's been COVID and there's been this revisioning of ministry at the church level level where anything that you thought you could take for granted, you no longer could. And that's on top of increased funerals and just stress of life and inflation and all these things that just compile. And so we really got talking and we were like, this this is the core thing that we really need to wrap our arms around. And there's so right. many people working on it, but they're all working in their own little silos and we're not talking to each other. And so we're not making any progress because we've got good folks doing good things in good silos. And that doesn't actually <laughs> often lead to anything. And so this was my learning curve, though, is when you say things, then sometimes your supervisor <laughs> makes you do things about them. And so he he said, well, we're going to talk to the bishop. And I and I said, do we have to? But Gary said, yes. Uh, so so but then we we met with the bishop. And mm -hmm. and I mean, I will say uh, she just really also kind of said, yes, of course, I see this as well. And and I deeply care for our clergy. And so what are what are we going to do about it? And so we commissioned a task force, not a committee. We want to be very clear. Yeah, I, I think Gary and I would say that all day long, not a committee, but a task force. Uh, so, Gary, did you want to take the story from there a little bit? 
part of the conversation with the bishop then was, well, who should be, who are the, the chair people, the leaders of the different bodies around the conference who really have the opportunity through their work to influence the clergy folks in the conference. And so we made a, a pretty extensive list and invited all those folks to come participate in a, an initial gathering. And I feel like the task that was laid before us was come up with a common vision so that we're all working towards the same thing. And so we went about inviting those folks. And I want to ask, we have some of those folks sitting in the room. So how did you feel about that when you were invited to participate? You know, be brutally honest. <laughs> well, my when I first got the email, my first thought was, I'm not opening any more emails from Beth. <laughs> because every time I open a Beth email, it seems that I get a new job. So I was grateful to be part of the conversation. As a licensed local pastor, I was I felt honored to be at the table um, and speaking for for my colleagues. And I also I wanted to be very intentional about making change, not just mm. talking about change, not just having a good intention for change, not just something that gets presented at annual conference and sounds really, really amazing. And then a year later at the next annual conference, you say, hey, what happened to that really <laughs> cool thing that yep. we talked about? Uh, and so I was really, really happy to be at the table and really hopeful to to bring about some change because we've all we've all heard our peers say mm -hmm. I don't know I don't know if I can do this and we have to find a way to do this better right I'm the uh, cabinet liaison to this uh, task group and the offer came to the cabinet table who would like to be part of this and I'm a yes person I want to participate in anything that is life-giving so anytime there's an opportunity to participate in something that's life-giving I say yes let me do it and honestly I think that that's not unlike most of our clergy M most of our clergy Laity, too, for that matter, say when when it, there's an opportunity to participate in something that's going to be healing uh, toward wholeness and life giving, we say yes. And then we find ourselves with a whole lot of yeses in front of us and feeling terribly overextended. And I say we because that absolutely applies to me. And so I wanted to invest in something that was going to help people to manage all of their yeses, not on a calendar because I'm no good. I'm not very good at all those like linear kind of things. But if we can do some things that help to form community and accountability groups and support groups and places for conversation, and then I want to be part of that. So I was really excited to say yes to this one. This yes was like at the top of my yes list. <laughs> Very good. I'm somewhere between the middle of the two of you, listening to your initial conversation, responding to this. My first response was not a yes. It was why. Mm. Why is this happening? Why do we need another group that's going to do work that everyone else is all already doing, that everyone is concerned about, that everyone is aware of? So that was the first question was why. And then past the why, I said, Oh, I know why. Because clergy 
are still in place where they need. And if we can come together and talk about that and make some plans for that, then it has to be a yes. So I'm initially saying no, and then I move toward a yes, and then I move back toward a no again <laughs> once I met the people in the group. Oh. But but outside of that, you know, you look and you say, okay, well, let's let's move forward because the need is so great. Mm-hmm. And the conversations are throughout the conference. But I think a lot of clergy need to hear that here one more time from almost from everybody because it's so important for them to reach a place of, of wholeness. So I'm a yes and then a no and then a yes and probably back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> and then at some point, it sounds like you just felt trapped. Like, uh, well, I already showed up, so I, I guess they'll know if I if I switched because because they scare me. Well, yes, to a certain extent. <laughs> you know, ta- I'm, always, I'm I'm skeptical sep- of a task force mm-hmm. because you don't know whether it's going to be two weeks, three weeks, or forever. Mm-hmm. Right. That, right. So that's part of it too. But mm-hmm. once I kind of had a sense of where it was going and why, I felt a lot better about it. I would highly agree with that, which is interesting because I helped create this task force in some ways. But mm-hmm. I would agree. I'm highly skeptical of a task force because it's like, well, what is this? And and we use it in all different ways. And, I, and I, I really dislike a task force hidden as a committee, right? Like, oh, it's a task force. Mm-hmm. Sign this paperwork about that you're going to serve this way until you die. Mm-hmm. And I'm not entirely sure they let us off afterwards. And one of the things that I really liked the some parameters we put around this as we gathered was that our goal was not to overstep into any committee or to actually make more work as in generative work, um, to to not make new programs or to not, I mean, as Gary said, we were tasked to make a vision, but really then it was a vision of how each committee could be pulling in the same direction towards clergy wholeness and really uh, getting behind that so that we were aligning our efforts, but not stepping into any other committee's area or or going in and telling, you know, Cosro, you have to do this or cabinet, you have to do this, but rather laying out a dream of where we can go. And so that was actually one of the things that was really crucial to me as we were putting together this group. And I will also say it was really freeing for me able to be able to say to some folks, because uh, we had some folks, they happen not to be here, who really, they sat on that no line for a while. Mm-hmm. And it was because, mm-hmm. was this just going to be a way of of us micromanaging their committees or trying to add more work to their plate? And so I felt that was a really important thing. We've been clear, our role isn't to tell committees what to do, but rather to cast a vision of clergy wholeness that we can all move towards, because that's the way we're going to make it there. Right. Very good. And I, in in to, to piggyback <laughs> off of that, I think that we've kind of lived out connection. Mm. You know, we all feel passionate in working toward clergy wholeness and clergy health. And we were all doing really meaningful work in little pockets. And to me, the task force kind of didn't create new work. It unified the work that we were doing in our individual areas and said, how can we be better if we're connected? How can we do better together? And so it pulled us all in and allowed us to uh, to talk about the work that we were doing and to unify it, which I think gives us strength in numbers, which is what isn't that who we are as United yes, Methodists? Exactly. Amen. Amen. Celebrating the connection. Mm. Yep. 
I'm going to stop and then actually share our clergy wholeness vision. And then we're going to react to that. So when I'm done, the question I'm going to ask you that you can be thinking about is what excites you, particularly you, about uh, this vision or what part of that excites you? So you can be thinking ahead for when I'm done. And I'll start with you, Charlene, if that's no okay. pressure. No pressure. That's why I'm giving <laughs> you a heads up. Whole clergy persons understand and embrace their unique call in their ministry setting, take care of their health, spiritual, physical, mental, financial, and emotional, prioritize their families and their life beyond the ministry setting, and they prioritize their deep personal connection with God. These individuals experience what it means to be truly included and accepted, knowing unconditional love of self and others. They experience safe spaces of acceptance without judgment and accountable relationships with other clergy. They know and proudly utilize resources available within the conference, which at all levels fully supports clergy persons. So what, what excites you about that? Um, what brings you hope? I just want to say that's a fantastic statement. I don't know who the writers of that statement were. Thanks. I Actually, do I do. No. <laughs> Thanks. It was a great group effort. It was a one, those must have been very smart people. Yes. Um, yes. I I love that ministry can ministry can be all encompassing and we lose ourselves in it at times if you're not careful. And so I love that the statement was crafted around who we are as individuals not who we are as pastors or as ministers. It's who you are as a person that you must care for yourself physically, that you must care for your family, that you must care for your personal life and your relationship with God. And that it's okay to do that because so often we will sacrifice ourselves mm -hmm. and not realize that we were, you know, that Jesus loved us enough and so we don't need to do that, that we're able to care and proudly utilize resources mm -hmm. that are available to us because we're worth it. And so mm -hmm. I just love how it encompasses the person that is a pastor. Mm -hmm. Very good. I get um, excited about that statement being universal it, it's applicable not just to pastors and laity. It's not even applicable just to church people. That mm. is a statement that is applicable to every beloved child of God. And that's everybody. Mm. And the way that it becomes distinctive, I think, in the United Methodist Church or in the Christian community is that we, like Charlene just noted, we see Jesus as our guide for what wholeness is. And I just I'm an etymologist. I love like the mm. roots of words. And so we talk about Jesus as our savior. And what does that mean? Savior and the word salve, S-A-L-V-E, come from the same root word. Hmm. He is the one who heals us and makes us whole. And so as we follow him, we not only see one who um, is broken and poured out for the sake of others, but one who who guards his own 
boundaries, who knows himself, who makes very definitive statements about who he is and who he isn't, and then invites us into that same, into a saving relationship, but also into that same kind of boundary keeping and identification of who we are and who we aren't. Doing this work really excites me and inviting people to share in that vision really excites me because I think it's applicable to everybody and distinctively to us as we hear the call from Jesus. Hmm. Very good. I appreciate Joe's comment about that. It's, it's for everybody. What I like about the statement is the idea of the call, because I think you first need to understand your call. If you don't understand your call, then you get swept up in so many other things that other people feel are important, but are really not important for who you are and mm-hmm. what God wants you to do. And outside of clergy, I worked with uh, case managers in, in, in the mental health profession. And I would look at the call, I would interview people, and they'd be so excited about what they want to do and the difference they want to make in people's lives. And then they'd get caught up, and this is what they tell me I need to do. And that's what they would try to do. And then they begin to stumble. And so I've seen people be excited and then fall by the wayside. And even with these style cameras, I've seen some of the same thing with clergy, where they don't have a sense of the call or their sense of the call is just out of this world. And so they believe they can do everything for everybody. And they can preach these wonderful sermons, and the sermon this week is a lot better than it was last week. And that keeps happening week after week. And they can see everyone, you know, that they need to see. And, and if they're not this perfect person, and then they have failed God. They have failed God. And so the sense of the call and that vision is real. I really say we have to continue to talk about that. So the clergy and laity too, to a certain extent, will understand what a call is and not stumble. I love your framing that within a call idea. And, you know, what are we called to? And we know what we're, we we in clergy circles sometimes talk about our call to ministry, but what about our, our call to to one who is saved? What about our call to one who, who accepts what Jesus did? And, and I love that you've kind of renamed that for us here on, because we do, we talk about one form of call within clergy, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. we are called to the, to ordained or licensed ministry, but what about our call to, to be the saved, not accidental saviors. And I think that in lines with something uh, you, I feel like you just gave me some better language for one of the things I really like about this. And I feel like for me, this is also part about our call as committees, um, which I am, I am a, I'll be honest, I'm in general, a hater of committees, like just, I'm not a fan. Don't ask me to come to multiple committee meetings that have no purpose. But I think they have no purpose sometimes because we've lost sight of, of what is the call of that committee? What is the work that God has put in front of them? And uh, one of the things that, that was really bothering me is as we related with different groups and as different individuals that were looking to make impact on clergy wholeness or well-being or, or whatever the chosen word was, was I felt like all we were hoping to do was make it less bad. But there wasn't actually this call to making it wholeness. It was just like, well, how do we how do we make this less painful? How do we make this more manageable? And for me, it kind of aligns with it. It felt like scripturally, you know, where we've gotten out of Egypt, we, we got out of the worst and then we're just supposed to be OK. 
with hanging out in the wilderness and that like that was the best we could hope for. Mm. And I think as committees, we're we're called to help further that um, and as individuals as well called to really honestly believe the promised land is there so that I felt like part of what we did was recast that we actually believe that wholeness is desirable and achievable. And that's something that's deeply powerful to me. I feel like for me, part of that is like a Joshua mindset or a Joshua leadership, believing in the promised land, even when others tell you it is beyond our our capability. And so for me, that's what I love about this. This recasts, I am not willing to settle for less bad or like, well, this week, you know, it didn't feel like I just failed at everything. So that's good enough. I am so tired of the words good enough. I'm so tired of what I call Methodist fine. When you ask somebody how they are and they're just like, I'm fine. How's your church? Fine. How's this? Fine. Uh, we are not called to Methodist fine. We're not called to to this space. We are called to wholeness and to passion and to believe that we can get there and that we can also, part of that call is for ourselves, as I think Charlene did a great job of highlighting, like this is for the individual, but also within the United Methodist system, that as I leave myself, also I invite you with me. And so that's, I get really excited when we talk about this vision because I am, I'm not, I'm no longer willing to settle for Methodist fine. And I don't want anybody else to think that's as good as we promise in the United Methodist Church. Mm. We promise that there is wholeness in this life. You know, your kingdom come. That I just, so that's, that what gets mm. me really going on this. Mm. Very good. Methodist fine. Mm. I like that term. For me, I, I've been thinking about this a little bit over the weekend because I knew what questions I was going to ask. So <laughs> I, got, I got a little study time in ahead. But I really, I like the idea that it sets a standard for what it looks like. And for me as an individual, as I read that again, even this morning, it makes me think, okay, am I focusing on my spiritual, my financial, uh, my mental, all of all of the health that that is part of this standard. Am I prioritizing my family? And it gives me a, a, a checkpoint to pay attention to my own my own person and being my own accountability. But the other piece I like about it too is that you know we are to be in the clergy connection, our sisters and brothers keepers. And so this also gives us a standard to kind of look at and say, you know, Charlene. I'm not so sure, you, you know, you're paying attention to this and I want to I want to hold you accountable to that because I love you and care about you and I want you to be whole. I like it from that perspective because it, it, it kind of lays it out there pretty clearly the standard we're supposed to be reaching towards in our own our own wholeness as a human being and as a clergy person. So and I think it also gives us an opportunity when you hear a peer who is struggling with something to say, okay, this is, this is who we are. This is what we can do. And so it, it can be empowering as well. Right. We can say, have you reached out? Have you asked? Have you looked at this? Have you uh, taken time? Have you cared for yourself? And so it gives us some touch points to connect and to support one another. Sometimes you feel as if when, when your peer is, telling you their struggles, you receive all of that and you have empathy, 
but then what do you do with it? And so this gives us kind of a universal guide, I yep. guess. Very good. Mm. Very good. So switching gears for a, a different kind of question, why should this kind of vision of clergy wholeness be important to the laity of the annual conference? Mm-hmm. I was... Um, thinking about that and remembering something that my mother used to say in particular when she would feel about at the end of her rope. (laughs) She would say to us, if the mama's not happy, ain't nobody happy. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, that doesn't mean that just if the pastor's not happy, then the health, then the health of the church is in jeopardy that it, it means if any one of us is in a vulnerable space, then it contributes to the vulnerability of the whole, but not that vulnerability is bad, that we get to then share in each other's sufferings and share in each other's healings as one of those things that is so beautiful. And I think really a sign of the kingdom in the United Methodist Church is that we are a covenant community. We aren't a sign on the dotted line kind of community about these are the things that we believe and do these things or get out. You know, it's we are a covenant community and we get to share in life with one another. So if one person is suffering, we all are suffering together. And if one person rejoices, I think it says something about that in the scripture somewhere. (laughs) If one person rejoices, we all rejoice together. The health is not an individual venture. Wholeness is about all of us together. Well, and I really like that. And I'll say I was I was really blessed to serve some churches with some SPRCs might be called something else in your local congregation who prioritized my health, especially after I had children who were pretty adorable. So I think they're really (laughs) their core value became making sure my children were happy, which is (laughs) is fine. They are better than me. So I get it. But they would ask almost every SPRC meeting, are you spending enough time with your children? Because these days are precious. Um, and that's we ended up having two daughters while while in their midst. And, and actually Kara's mother, who she was just speaking about, covered one of my maternity leaves for me. So maybe she helped uh, make them understand that if this mother wasn't happy and healthy, you know, not that I was going to physically light the church on fire, but <laughs> maybe metaphorically, <laughs> if I wasn't at my best. But it was so important to me that it felt like every quarter, at least, that there was a group of people in a very loving way saying, you know, are you doing this? And it, what I really loved about it, and I think this is some power of laity, is that it wasn't, are you doing your best for us? It was always my family first, because I think they understood that if I wasn't being present as as a mother, which I believe is one of the calls in my life. It's not a call in everybody's life, but being a parent is a call in my life. If I was jeopardizing that call for work, that we were in an issue and that that really I was violating all of my calls, if that was the case. And I think some SPRCs, though, to to where I'm heading is I think sometimes we're not exactly sure how to hold our clergy accountable because we want to honor not all clergy are the same. So we want to support you in ways that are meaningful, but what's meaningful for you, we don't know. And sometimes we're just not good at starting the conversation. And sometimes we're not really good at knowing how to actually hold folks accountable. And so I feel like this gives some starting language of 
So here are some ways that we can have at least the conversation with our clergy. And then I also think about the power of lay leadership. And for those who understand the importance of this, then sometimes also advocating for their clergy, because there are folks who don't see clergy in this way where where their holistic health should be a priority. Um, often because those folks are going through something in their own lives and, and they're not the healthiest. And But that's really, I think that's a great power if it's not the only the clergy locally saying, no, like my health matters, but rather to also have laity really saying, no, we we also acknowledge their health matters and we are holding them accountable to it. And I think that both and it matters and we are walking this journey with you. I think that's a beautiful part of that. And I was blessed to have it organically, but I think this is a way we can help uh, spread that out a little bit more. Well, I'm hearing the word from you of the promised land that you talked about earlier and also hearing the word share. Mm. And I'm just thinking with laity and clergy together, we're moving toward that promised land. Mm -hmm. So if clergy and laity can talk about wholeness as individuals and as a church, you have an idea that you're not just stuck where you are, which you talked about earlier, but you're moving toward a positive direction. Mm. So now if you, so if you support your clergy and if the, Laity can see that support for clergy and they can see the clergy grow mm. and the clergy can talk about that openly. Uh, one day I was here, but now I have moved further. I understand what it means to spend time with my family more so than I did a year ago. I understand what it means to spend time with other clergy. So to talk about that growth within themselves, couldn't that just move the whole the whole community toward that promised land? And that'd be exciting as we share where we are to where we would like to be and talk about in a very open, open format. So the promised land is a shared vision that everybody works toward together. I think that's an amazing call to our churches to really receive this as as this way that we're collectively joining to the promised land. And I think, too, as we we know this data about general society, about how isolated folks are feeling of all age groups of depression and anxiety that is running through our systems. But also what a beautiful witness that would be for those not yet with us as well as we as a community are collectively moving together to this promised land put like that as as you've laid it out that only not only feeds us that are already here but those who really need that and and who really need to be part of of a system of wholeness and health so that they also can believe in it yeah one of the um, trappings of not moving forward is not talking about mm-hmm. so you don't talk about depression you don't talk about any of those other issues mm-hmm. And when the church fails to talk about it, they become stuck. Mm-hmm. So just the idea to say to raise these issues up. But, you know, that we talked about in that vision statement. What would it be like if every clergy talked, would, would get that statement in front of their SBRC and read it mm-hmm. and say, can you help me move toward that as I help the church move toward this also? I think that could be, it could help break down some barriers. I grew up in a tradition where clergy were almost seen as superhuman, where they didn't have the same struggles that the laity were facing in their congregation. And so as part of my ministry, I've been very transparent about who I am. I'm the same person 
if I'm talking to the bishop as I am, if I'm talking to one of my one of my members of one of my churches, I don't have anyone else that I can be. And so I've been very transparent with times that I've struggled, uh, you know, if I've struggled with grief or with, you know, anything that that we all struggle with. And so I think it and I've had people say to me, you just seem like a regular person. Please don't tell everyone else that I'm just, you know, a regular person. But I see that as something that we need to do. We need to open those dialogues, like David said, of, look, I'm I'm here, but my goal is to be better next year. Our goal together is to be closer to the promised land next year as we walk together. It's not, you know, you just follow me. We're all walking together and we're facing the same mountains and we're climbing and we have fears and trepidation, but we also have great faith that will carry us forward. And so I think it can be really empowering for us to just be transparent with what we need. Very good. One more question that I kind of feel like we may have already answered. Why do you think this matter would matter to clergy in our conference? I want to start with, I hope it does. I hope it does now, but I'll say some of that depends on us, uh, us, the clergy, right? Um, it, it depends on what we're going to do. Charlene said earlier about, uh, you know, the annual big thing that's released at conference and we're all hyped up on it or not necessarily conference or a conference or whatever. And, and everybody's all jazzed up about this or that. And then we come back together and we're jazzed up about something else. And it's not normally a congruent thing, just like, well, here's a new shiny object. And so I understand if somebody's actually a little skeptical and and we are talking about this. We're talking about it here. We are going to talk about it at some annual conference. We're trying to talk about it more in our committees. But we've been real intentional to like make sure we didn't just blow this up big and make it sound pretty and put it out there, but that it it means something. So, but I think the first thing is, if I'm honest, my hope is that they do believe in it and that they believe that we believe in it, Um, that we believe that this is real, that this isn't another shiny object or some, I don't think any of us wrote this statement, hoping that this becomes a statement that you etch into our tombstone someday. (laughs) And we want this to, to be living within our, our congregations, in our conference and in ourselves. Mm-hmm. Why should this matter to clergy is the question and is your question. And and mm-hmm. we will, other people will answer that. Oh, okay. uh, but I want to say, I hope you do. If you are a clergy or a lady listening to this, let's start believing in wholeness and recognizing also it takes work. I mean, everything that we mentioned here today isn't fast. It isn't easy. You can't download a video and say, well, now I'm whole. Uh, I watched that. (laughs) I watched that 50 minute video on health. And so I'm whole. Uh, I watched somebody doing yoga. So I've got that down because I will tell you, no matter how many times you watch those videos, if you just watch them, they in fact do not increase your flexibility. (laughs) I have tried. Um, I am still like brittle muscle syndrome here is that's not a thing but it might be it now. might be it should be right yeah for all the non-flexible people i'll meet you at annual conference we will watch some <laughs> yoga videos together what yeah. <laughs> uh, but so i think that's that's where i i start is i could answer all day long why this should but i hope clergy realize this should and take within it the points where some of this is ours to activate and to invite laity into it with us and to believe in this in deep and meaningful ways 
because I mean, I, I literally have already said this on, I am just so tired of being fine. Mm. And, and I think everybody's tired of being fine. So for me, that's why that should matter. It starts with that. But also I, I think this should matter because we should be there and we should be open with who we are and not feel like we have to hide something. But we also shouldn't be content as we are. You know, we're called to keep growing and moving ourselves along who God created us to be. And I don't think God created us to be mediocre in emotions. And and we we cannot avoid suffering in this life. There is nothing in our scriptures that says that. But we are to even engage in suffering differently from a standpoint of wholeness. Life isn't easy. I also feel like the statement doesn't make any false promises. We're not saying come to this training and and then you'll be whole um, and you can get a plaque for your wall or something. Right. So I guess I got to the why clergy, but I really want to say I am a skeptical person. I'm the person when they announce things, I'm like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah, let's see if we hear anything more about this ever again. Uh, like, let me hear about it five times before I bother. But th this excites me mm. because of what it can matter to us. And I do mean us because I include myself as a person who this is something I strive for. I'm not there. And I'm not even there always to being able to talk freely about the ways I'm not whole. Um, so this is a call in my life as well. So that's why I think it should matter. That was cool. really resonating with me too, Beth. This shouldn't just matter to clergy. This matters to me as a clergy person. Fine is it's like I'm picturing, I'm getting this vision of this like kind of wet felt gray box that is fine. And we live there a lot. But this vision blows the top off of this wet felt gray box and all of this beautiful color spills out. It's messy. It's an invitation to engage in messy, to recognize messy and to then do messy together. That's what the community of Christ is all about, is, is being on this journey through the wilderness towards the promised land imperfectly, but together with Jesus as our guide. And I get really excited about this vision being uh, a statement of invitation for all of us who are clergy and laity alike. Wow. Both of you are so wonderful with your comments. I thought you meant just in general. Uh, I am just, indeed well, wonderful in general. Too. But I was thinking, Beth, when you talked about I'm fine, I was in a group with some laity and clergy, and we were doing some, race, cross, some racial understanding, and it got intense at times. And I don't know why it got intense talking about race, but mm. it really did. And we found out that we were not always honest with each other. In the beginning, we would say, how was your week? You know, what's been happening? That type of thing. Reflect on the learning from the prior week. You know, that type of thing. And, you know, some people in the group said, I'm fine. <laughs> and we even bought T-shirts for that person. No. And it said, I'm fine. And they wore it to other sessions. And, we and what it did say to us is we know that we're really not. But we're not ready to talk about those deep issues yet. We slowly move past, I'm fine. But it was such hard work to do. So I guess I'm relating this to the vision, is that it is tough work, which you talked about. And it's really life work. It's beyond just you as a clergy. Even when you're retired, I think when you retire, you still should think about wholeness. Mm -hmm. 
you know, when you're starting off and whatever. So I think it's just, it's a life work. So maybe we will not buy any more T-shirts that say I'm fine. Mm. <laughs> or we will buy them. some that says I'm working, I'm moving, I'm growing. So I think that's what the vision uh, requires us or it gives us the opportunity to do. Yeah. It's to say I'm moving from here to there and it is okay to do that. My husband can tell you that when I say I'm fine, <laughs> there is nothing fine. <laughs> it is the opposite there of is, the truth. When he says, what's the matter? Are you okay? I'm fine. It is not fine. Um, and so I think we hide behind that word sometimes. But I think that this should matter to clergy because we matter. Right. Mm. And so often we would do for others what we will never do for ourselves and we will prioritize others over ourselves. And so we matter. So right. it should matter. Doesn't it communicate to clergy that they matter? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, it does. That mm -hmm. Their person yeah. matters outside mm -hmm. of their profession. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like who they are on Wednesday evening at the ice cream shop matters. Right. Maybe even more so than on Sunday morning when they're preaching. Mm. Amen. I think that's really important too to to remember also where we started because I think sometimes as clergy, it can feel as if part of actually where where we're saying we're fine is like charge conference paperwork season. Like, yeah, well, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. When you have you know two to five sets of charge conference right. paperwork, mm -hmm. everything's fine. A box on the charge conference is said you're fine. 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 Yeah. Just fine. That, that's it. It's yeah. all fine. That's, you just draw. Everything's fine. You just draw. What was it? A wet gray box? Yeah. <laughs> you, that's, you just draw it, and now we all know that's code for we're fine, uh, which is a really weird gross image because in my head also your box is moldy and it oh, is full of oh i don't like the box <laughs> oh, yeah. i went all down on this i was way in this gray moldy box but but i think sometimes that as clergy as people as laity uh we can think that the conference doesn't necessarily care about us more than they care about boxes of success mm -hmm. and i think that that's really important to to say that we, we, we as members of this conference as well, we care more about whole clergy persons and I, and I want to say whole laity than we care on if, if you had increased numbers on Sunday morning, um, because sometimes the mess of this is going to put somebody off to be able to say, you know what, actually, I, I will not be a half person in the pulpit. I'm not going to only say good things and pretend that I've got this all together. And to, to I think to your point, David, some people aren't ready for not fine. Mm -hmm. And so actually, when we start living as clergy, whole clergy persons and whole lady, I actually think in some cases, we'll see some people step back who are not right ready for that, that space and that. But I think what's really important about this is we are saying from an individual, I, I think we've heard everybody's heart here today, individually, we care about wholeness, but also collectively, we as a conference care about wholeness and not just so that then you have better charge conference paperwork or better <laughs> numbers, but because we actually believe in the in the call of scripture that we are together and that we are one body and that when our, you know, when our kneecap isn't working, we are not working as well. And that we, we make up that body. And I think that's a really important thing to remember in this as well, as we, sometimes we set up these accidental us and them mentality. Well, the conference doesn't care about me as a person unless I'm performing. And I, th I think 
It does. It, 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 whatever it is, because it isn't actually a thing, right? It is a bunch of people together who do care about wholeness. And so I think that is another important thing that's important to me that I think clergy should know, because there are times where we set up enemies that aren't our enemies and people, we, we put things on others. And I think that's really important to know. We do care. I can speak for us in Connectional Ministries. We care about clergy wholeness. I I, I, I can care. speak for for the cabinet that and the bishop that we care about clergy wholeness and lay person wholeness. I was going to ask you whether or not you care. <laughs> I do care. <laughs> I mean, beyond individuals. I do care. I mean, okay. no yes. pressure here, but I mean, really, do you? Do you ask? No. Yes, I really do. <laughs> so, so the statement is not just for clergy, it's for our community as a whole. Mm, mm. Right. So that everyone would see it and tr- attempt to live it out mm-hmm. and say, this is one way that we all care. Mm. Could the cabinet really have that in front of them when they're thinking about making appointments? Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Our our process, not that I, I don't want to go down too too far of a rabbit trail, but our process of appointment making includes prayer at every turn. And the prayer is always for the person and the church community. And we don't make any actions until we've prayed. Um, We really, really care. There are often tears around that table as we're making really hard decisions because we love the clergy. We love our laypersons. We love our local churches. We're pastors first. Well, I think it's important to acknowledge, though, that cabinet can't take in wholeness uh, in full scope. If we just keep writing, we're fine on our paperwork. Mm -hmm. If I say everything's hunky dory and I'm fine, I just write Methodist fine on all my paperwork, then I think there's also some limits. We can't assume that then cabinet knows this isn't a good time for me to move Mm -hmm. because I've just entered a deeper level of therapy because I because I didn't want to write I was depressed on my form. So I wrote I'm I'm fine. Everything's great. Or if we didn't talk about that, you know, one of my kids actually suffers with deep anxiety and a move is really hard. And uh, so, you know, so I want to minimize moves. And so I'm asking for this or that. So I think that's part of this call, too, is is we have to realize it is cabinet's call to take into account uh, as as Kara laid out those things. But we have to be honest with them or we can't hold them accountable for taking into account only what we provide them. And so I think that's a crucial piece, too, is, is we have to realize we have to be honest on where we are on this wholeness journey. But I think this goes back to all where we started too, is if we believe all we can ever get to is less bad, then of course we're going to write we're fine because we it, it could always be worse. It could always be worse. Well, yeah, it could always be worse. Like right now, my leg could fall off. That would make this day worse. But it doesn't mean that this day was of wholeness. And so I think that's an important thing is, is we have to re-scope. We have to say wholeness is possible. So if you're only just out of Egypt, you don't have to say you're fine. You can say I'm in the wilderness right now because we believe there's better. But if we believe that's all there is, then we're always going to say we're fine. Mm-hmm. And so I think it really goes back into this full embracing of of believing that that we are called to wholeness. We are called to wholeness for ourselves. We're called to wholeness for others because we matter 
as beloved children of Christ, just like everyone else. And so I think it's all kind of tied up in there in what we're saying of how important this is to own where we are, but to believe that there's this isn't where we're called to be left. And Beth, you said something a little bit ago about we set up in us versus them or enemies that aren't really our enemies. And my hope is that this vision helps us to see that just as we are called to wholeness cabinet, they are called to wholeness. And so they are working on these same sorts of things. And so again, it erases a barrier that that we have separated ourselves, you know, Mm -hmm. there's, there's that the conference staff and us and, and sometimes we say, well, they've forgotten what it's like to be here. And so we are each working on our wholeness in our own mission field. And I remember when we were working on the, the statement, we talked very specifically about creating safe spaces and also that, We are encouraged by all levels of the conference to take these resources. And so I think that that honesty is encouraged through the statement. And my prayer is that it will be affirmed when you Mm -hmm. are, when you do say, okay, I'm not fine. I'm not, this is not fine. I can't. I can't do this in this moment because I'm struggling with something else. I'm so grateful to hear that cabinet is invested in our wholeness and is praying and, and weeping, you know, over difficult decisions. We've never pastored in this sort of climate Mm. before. We've never gone through a global pandemic. We've never gone through denominational issues. We've never gone through racial strife. We've never gone through you know, we're in a strange economic time. I mean, this is just, it's, Mm -hmm. it's a potpourri of Mm. strangeness and, um, (laughs) I'm going to coin that (laughs) a potpourri of strangeness. That's our term for the day. But there are so many uncertainties. And so we're all really at the at the base of it. We're all really just trying to do the best we can to serve God and to love people and to get through. But we're all really working together. Mm -hmm. And isn't that what community is? You know, you talk about we have never been here before, but God has. Mm. Right. In the sense that we're not by ourselves through this particular journey. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so the community is involved in this. Mm -hmm. So not only the cabinet, but also the next general ministries. Also maybe the board of ministry. Mm -hmm. Yes. So everyone is saying together we want to move in a positive direction. Amen. And that's that's pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's peace in community. There's peace in sitting around a table and looking into the eyes of someone else who's in the same, you know, strangeness, wilderness that you're in and saying, but we're not alone. Right. And and then, you know, beautiful words are spoken to remind us, just as you did, that God is not surprised mm-hmm. by this circumstance, by this potpourri of strangeness that we find <laughs> ourselves in. That God is not surprised. God is present. Mm. And all those things that are above our pay grade, uh, he's got. Mm-hmm. And so we we can rest easy doing our best and allowing God to step in and do the rest. So. Mm. 
Very good. Well, and I I do think there's something I feel like we've kind of hinted around, but I want to make sure we're really clear on this before we conclude this podcast, because we've talked about we and we talked about breaking down the the us and them between conference Mm. or connectional ministries or cabinet. But we were really intentional in writing this, that this is meant for all clergy. Sometimes we have things meant for elders. Mm. Sometimes we have things meant for deacons. Sometimes no, we have we things don't. meant for a young, <laughs> young, young clergy, um, which, you know, as I'm no longer in that category, I miss being in that category. But so we were actually really intentional in this process of making sure that we heard from elders, deacons, licensed locals, uh, cabinet, as if you're not elders, they're elders too, but... Uh, they're elders, elders. They're, they're elderly elders? Wait, no, yes. that's offensive. As some of them are just a, a couple moments. Yeah, oh, that's that's the nice word Seasoned. Now. Seasoned. Seasoned. Yeah, I feel like that's more offensive. Like, no, because then I can say I'm salty and oh, it's acceptable. Oh, that, that's, yeah. That's, you see how we do yeah. this? And we're doing it now where we put people in different categories. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. You told us don't do that and then we did it anyway. Yeah, did. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I do think that's an important thing. This vision is for all clergy. Mm-hmm. If you are licensed local, if you're part-time licensed local, if you're serving while in seminary, if you are a deacon in, or an elder in extension ministry. CLM. A CLM. Um, 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 right. Lay pulpit supply. Retired in, uh, <laughs> retired, I, I can make air quotes around that because retired clergy serving in is, is, you didn't retire. You just make less money. So, uh, Isn't that the ministry as a whole? Just serving and making this is less a different money? Podcast. Uh, oh, that's yeah. a different one. That, that's for next week's uh, in, inflation bit my foot again uh, yeah. conversation. Uh, so, but I do think that's really important for us to name. Uh, this is not for a subsect of this is our vision for East Ohio clergy, regardless of where you're serving physically, emotionally, like any of those, what your status is, because to us, your status is your status in God Mm. and and your status Mm. as our brothers and sisters. And so I think that's something really important because I I do think that there have some been some pockets of our clergy uh, that we have sometimes done things and left them out, mm-hmm. uh, certainly right. not purposefully. But we were very intentional that this is about people before your category. Mm-hmm. And so in that, I, I feel like we've really got something here that is for all of us clergy. And I just think that's really important to, cool. to note. Very good. Well, as we as we wrap up, I'm going to ask you each to think about just to summarize our time in one word, your thoughts about the vision, about our conversation in one word. So this is probably not the time to call back the gray box imagery that exactly, Kara laid down. Exactly. That's no. two words. That's two words. So gray box is out. Not if I no. say it really fast. Gray no. box. Gray box. Gray box. Still two. What if we'll I say it really fast? you out if you don't do it correctly. <laughs> Follow the rules, Beth. Follow the rules. I was trying to follow the rules and say hopefulness. There is hope. Mm -hmm. Ask pastors to summarize in one word. (laughs) Ask preachers to do that. Oh, gosh. Okay. I don't have one, but I have like a little tiny cluster. Wait, 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 wait. Is Uh, she allowed to say more? Is this because she's on cabinet and I'm not? She is. Oh, there we go. Oh, my heart. Okay, seasoned member, go ahead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she was like that before she was on cabinet. Oh. So that is, that is who she is. I have found 
evidence of what we are talking about and hope for in this very conversation. And and that we have laughed and had such an easy exchange of generative and life-giving ideas is just, as David said, hopeful to me. I would use the word joy, which is oh. is one word, uh, mm-hmm. but I will just qualify that I do mean joy as we're supposed to have as Christians, not joy as the synonym for happiness in our mm-hmm. culture. So, but I would mm. say joy. Mm. Cool. Promise. Oh, very good. <gasps> what about you, Gary? Well, I was I was in in the camp with this side of the table with the hopeful. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives me hope. And I think part of the hope comes from, as Kara said, part of the, the conversation that happened and the the excitement and the, the joy that is part of just even having conversation about what it mm-hmm. means to be whole. Thank you all for your time today. We're just really getting the conversation started mm-hmm. in our annual conference about clergy wholeness. So you will be hearing more coming annual conference and in in whatever arenas um, the leadership of the task force find themselves, you'll be hearing more about that. And if you have questions or concerns, you can reach out to Beth or I, and we'll we'll share more information with you as we have it. Well, I would say if you have questions or concerns, please reach out to Gary Jones at (laughs) Gary at EOCUSC.com. And if you are just excited and want to have some conversation, then you can email me. I'll take all the, we'll we'll, uh, we'll separate out this box yeah. no yeah. i am joking but absolutely mm. uh we are we would love to be that first touch point if this is something that one way or another is uh pulling on your heart cool very good and again i want to thank you all for joining around the table and and sharing all of this uh it has been a very hopeful and and joyful and promising conversation and for those of you who are listening at home or in your car, or wherever you're listening, I pray that you've been encouraged and that you've been challenged even, whether you're clergy or laity, that you are able to take something from this conversation and whether it's something that you internalize yourself in your own position or something that you're able to use in your own church, your own ministry, and to, to use to challenge or encourage your own pastoral staff to uh, to pursue their own wholeness. We hope that this conversation has been beneficial to you in some way. And we look forward to exploring this topic more in the East Ohio Conference as you pour into your pastoral staff as they pour into the life of the church. You can learn more about the East Ohio Conference by visiting our website at www.eocumc.com or by finding us online at Facebook at facebook.com slash EOCUMC, on Instagram at EOCUMC, or on Twitter at East Ohio UM.